It's time to hold it on, hold it on, hold it on to you. It's time to hold it on, hold it on, hold it on to you. You're listening to the Noise Cancelling Pod, the podcast about streamlining life, encouraging discourse, and maximizing your mind. Hosted by Frank Boyce and Axel Clark. All right, everybody. Welcome to episode 17 of Noise Cancelling Pod. I'm Frank Boyce. And this is Axel Clark. We're glad that you could join us this week for another uh, exciting micropod. This is micropod number two, if you're keeping track of that. So I know I'm excited. We got about 30 minutes on the clock. Uh, Axel, first thing I want to just kick off is uh, talking about the previous episodes. Uh, I feel like the last few have been, last three have been really, really fun. Yeah, we've been lucky to have excellent guests. I mean, I guess that's really what has made it the last three, the last three episodes. Having uh, interesting people, a, a lot of enthusiasm, which I think is cool, and just a bunch of different interesting perspectives. Yeah, for sure. I, I mean, I, I feel like I wanted to do an episode just to our, ourselves because I, <laughs> I was starting to get jealous that our guests were so kind of stealing our thunder. <laughs> well, hopefully the quality could be like half of what it has been in the past. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like I think halfway through the the Eric episode, we were like kind of looking at each other, like, man, I feel like this is this will help us step up our game in the future. Yeah. And then we didn't prepare it all for <laughs> yeah, this one. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, a little bit. So the uh, the topic for today is pushing it to the limit or pushing the limit. We haven't decided yet. And, and we'll get to that in a minute. I will have a few notes. Um, first thing, the global crier uh, ha- has officially ended or at least taken a, a hiatus similar to the presidential candidates. How far did it get? What? Did it get to four? Uh, no, I was I was in the middle of recording four, and I I thought to myself, I'm not enjoying this. This is stupid. I need to end this immediately, and I did. I think I think there's something to be said for recognizing when you need to just cut bait and call it. So I think the format would have um, some legs to it if if I could do it daily. Like I think a daily news uh, pico pod could actually be pretty popular. Um, especially outside of because i think like bbc does one every day mm-hmm. um and i think outside of normal media i think people would really love to have just a minute and a half every morning but like there's no way i can commit to that right right <laughs> or, or would really want to commit to that <laughs> so well, global, what was the global funnest crier part about doing the goal what, what did you learn about the global from doing the global crier I, I think it's it's really hard to balance serious subjects with trying to be funny. Mm, like yeah. I, I have so, I have much more respect for the Daily Show and like what Colbert did, where you know you're talking about things that are that are very serious and and sad at times, but trying to handle them with with humor and a, an element of lightness is really hard and takes takes a ton of time to write that stuff. And I, I don't like I said I just didn't have the energy or the time to really <laughs> commit to the goal yeah. career like that. I thought it was a good effort. I thought they they were funny and uh, entertaining. So, so who knows? You know, if if I end up having time to do a daily Pico podcast at some point, maybe I will. So, who knows? Okay. Secondary note: We uh, started working with a composer and producer from Israel this week. 
named Addy Goldstein. So we're going to put his link up in the show notes. Uh, he's really talented, makes great music, uh, and we're excited he's going to help us develop a new theme song. Um, how do you feel about that, Axel? Because I'll, I'll be honest, I didn't consult you when we were, <laughs> we were looking I at a new theme song. I love this concept. I need to check him. Is he on SoundCloud? Uh, he's on SoundCloud. He has his own website. And then uh, the link that we'll post is probably to his YouTube videos because they're pretty cool. Yeah, I love it. I can't wait to, he- to hear this. Yeah, so he's kind of he's kind of melding or meshing and mixing a few of his different tracks that, that I picked out, and uh, yeah, we'll see how it turns out. Hopefully, it'll be pretty good. Uh, I know he's a listener, so <laughs> we'll have <laughs> to just be put him on the spot. <laughs> yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll put him on the spot, and uh, <laughs> we'll say, yeah, we loved it, man, and uh, go from there. <clears throat> one uh, one other note that I wanted to get to, and I know you podcast listeners hear this all the time, but it does actually make a big difference to review the podcast on iTunes. I don't I don't really understand why that's such a big metric for them, but uh, in terms of moving up rankings and and popping up on people's suggestions, it it helps a lot. So if you want to if you want to review it, whether that's positive or negative, you're not going to hurt my feelings. Uh, although there's one person that was just kind of trolling and put some weird one-star review on iTunes that, that I didn't really like, but that's that's okay. We we like constructive criticism. But but if you want to give a five-star rating and then send constructive criticism, it's noisecancelingpod <laughs> at gmail.com. <laughs> so, how, first of all, Axel and I said before the podcast, we have no idea what direction pushing to the limit is going to go so i'm going to actually let axel kick it off and see which direction he wanted to go to first okay so i think the most there's should i list the three areas or should i just go right into the one that i think is kind of an interesting topic i think you let's let's go for interesting we'll get to the we'll get to the boring stuff i'm sure okay so there's kind of a concept that people set their own boundaries in their life and that really if you kind of push and ask people questions that other people aren't asking then you can do more things in your life so and i don't i don't know how you can like i think you could abuse this and it could cause you problems but i think that if you i guess like there's a test where you go into starbucks and you're like hey do you mind if i just have a coffee for free and then like and, but you have to give them an excuse. So you have to say, you know, do you mind if I get a coffee for free? I left my wallet in the car. Or like, not even some. It doesn't have to be like that. It, <laughs> I think the quality of your excuse doesn't matter. But if you ask the question and give it an excuse of any kind, people will allow you to do things. That is probably true, yeah. Have you tested that out? Um, not Not since like, I feel like high school I used to do some stuff like that but no i i don't feel like I don't, I don't try to put people out very often anymore well the thing is like that i don't that's not a great reason and, I, and like i said before i think you could abuse it so i was trying to think where are there instances where like you are helping people or you're like moving things forward and everyone appreciates that you're kind of going out there like this not not using it to take advantage of people hmm interesting yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I've heard this concept presented as people really like to to help and offer assistance, and oftentimes, like we're too we're too shy or like not vulnerable enough, or we don't, like I said, want to put people out. Like there's a certain 
aspect to our personality that that we don't want want people to to feel like they're going out of their way or feel like we have to rely on other people it's it's our american individualism but uh, i do i think that'd be really interesting to to do a bit more study in terms of <laughs> i didn't really think about pushing the limit in terms of human interaction but uh, i like that as in a social experiment yeah i'm gonna brainstorm on it i think yeah i think there's something to be had there and but it has to be without like taking advantage of people so i have to figure out where that balance is and like you couldn't say because i think you could probably go to your boss and say hey can i leave an hour early hey can i leave an hour early like they would probably let you Mm -hmm. you have some excuse but then at some point it's not like they're gonna be like this person's not like not good so i was thinking about how you could use that to where people were happy like they it wasn't like at some point they're like god this person is lazy or whatever they're like (laughs) this person's getting things done because they're like taking a little bit more risk or asking questions or asking to do things that other people would not do yeah that's that's a i mean you're talking about like social boldness right (laughs) i guess that's what it is maximizing the reward for your own social boldness right yeah i mean i think there's I'm trying to think of some good scenarios for that. I mean, definitely in your job, definitely in negotiations all the time. And that's kind of the the general concept to entering into negotiation is kind of envisioning that bold strategy or that bold ask at the beginning. Right. But you're saying to take take that negotiation strategy and apply it into to any facet that that seems like you could take some form of advantage for yeah. the good for, for the, the good, good for the good. Like some, so, <laughs> I think other times, sometimes if you can present something like at work, present a concept that's like pretty much completed and then and not say, hey, do you want to do this or that? You're like, I'm moving forward with this. Do you have a problem with that? Yeah, I was actually just talking about a strategy like that today. Um, <laughs> but that, that was a really, uh, it's almost like the Robin Hood of social boldness. <laughs> I, I, I like that. Uh, see so so you're pushing the limit was more in terms uh maybe less about your personhood and more about situational yeah don't i have my note is don't set your own boundaries hmm yeah i think that's that's hard to do though right to overcome that yeah like how how do you really get outside that because i feel like even if you're setting far-reaching goals like it's still kind of within your own schema of what that limit is like do you need somebody else to brainstorm for you i don't know well i think i okay so let's put this in a work perspective i i think people are scared to go out and like tackle big projects because they don't think they're going to get approved Mm -hmm. but i think so i think like you're sitting there and you're just working these little small things but if you took a risk put something together for like a bigger project i think if it was well presented people would probably let you move forward on your projects like how many times do you present a project and it gets turned down i don't know for me it's probably not that often it's more when i when i personally shut my own project down before i even present it yeah i mean i would say more projects and before they get to your manager for sure um, I have had instances where, you know, I felt like I had a really good idea and I brought it to a manager and they were just like, no, that's, Oh, you have. Oh yeah. Yeah. I had a boss who was uh, pretty traditional, uh, in their thinking. 
and they you know I had multiple ideas and multiple projects even some project that I had kind of started with a degree of social boldness mm-hmm. and and I just had gone to ask for approval to continue the project they got shut down oh wow so I don't think I've ever had a boss like that yeah I mean it's pretty demotivating when you know you you've even gotten feedback from peers and from other managers and they're supportive of it and then <laughs> this this other direct manager comes in and just kind of squashes a dream like it's very very demotivating yeah but i would say I'd, i totally agree with you in, in general if if you have bosses who who like engagement if they if they see an employee who wants to go out of their way to try something new like they're it's pretty rare <laughs> like that that was one boss who did that but it's pretty rare that they'll they'll squash your boldness right but yeah i agree that's i think that's that's great to look for those opportunities at work um I, th- I think you still have to have, you, like you said, you need to be careful on that limit. Like you don't want to step so far out that you're you're putting your job at risk or your career general at risk. Right. So I think here's what I think I just thought of this. Like your boldness, social boldness has to be aligned with the mission of your organization. Hmm. So if someone, if you can make that connection, then I think it will, I mean, you may get shut down, but it will not be perceived as negative, but like social boldness unaligned with your organization's mission, for example, taking off early or whatever, like that's not going to work. Yeah, so I think that's, that's the key is if your social boldness or what that's what we're going to call it, like trying to test the boundaries of what your organization will let you do. If that's aligned with its mission, I think it would be successful or at least it will, could be successful. And I would say a, a third layer to that is just running that worst case scenario, because I, th- I think that's kind of where you test your own limits a little bit, uh, especially in your career where you say, like, if this thing just completely implodes, like, what what is the absolute worst thing that's going to happen? Yeah, well, so this is, this is on a related topic, the, and I love I can bring coding into this. <laughs> <laughs> Me but too. there's but there's like a concept of being able to ship a minimal viable product. So you want to be able, you want to work towards adding only the the minimum features that you need to actually have a product that your customer or whoever you're building for can actually use. Because the problem that people get into is they add all these like this feature and that feature and this feature and then like it gets so complicated and it takes so long to actually ship anything that like the, the product just dies. So knowing where to cut away and say, does this feature really need to be in this? Or is, is this a core feature of the product? And can the user start using the product and get some benefit out of it? Because a lot of time what, what happens is you think you know what, how the, the user is gonna use this feature or use this product in general. But then once you present your minimum, like the minimum product, they use mm-hmm. it in a completely different way. Once they actually, like they don't even know how they want to use it. And yeah. so if you build out all these features, making assumptions on how they're going to use it, then like you give it to them, like, actually, I don't like half this crap. And you just spent months putting it all together. Mm-hmm. So it's better to get them something min- like the minimum thing, let them play around with it, and then, then build it like in small iterations from that. So is that is that generally what the beta is? Is that the minimum product? Right. Okay, interesting. So I just started watching. Uh, this is a tangential, but I just started watching Silicon Valley. Uh, 
the HBO comedy show. Is it so good? I, oh wow, it's incredible. Like probably the the season finale, the first season finale is one of the best first season finales of any show I will say ever, and I don't feel like that's what? that's a hyperbolic. <laughs> what what is it about? It's just about the the startup and startup software company. Is it Silicon fake Valley. or is it real? It's fake. Okay. Yeah, it's a it's a. I mean, supposedly it's actually based on something, but like very loosely based on an actual startup, um, and it's it's loosely based on the actual culture of Silicon Valley. But it is hilarious. Oh, I it, can't wait. It's to check really it out. well done. Yeah. So, so shout out to Silicon Valley. Uh, I know that was tangential, but yeah, it's a really good show, and and they talk a little bit about coding. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So All right, so let's move to your interpretation. What what are you right. thinking? So I was thinking pushing into the limit in terms of like personal goal setting or okay. like actual how far you can reach um just as like physical goals or mental goals or professional goals. Um and I actually put together a uh, top 5 list. Oh, I'm excited. Let's let's you are you going to you're about to read it. So I will. I will start from five, and I will go to one, and All we right. can we can discuss as I go down. Perfect. So this is this is the top five reasons for pushing yourself to the limit. So number five is regret is proportional to how far from your limit you reach. Um, and so, I, what I mean by this is this doesn't include like things that I regret in the past, like stupid things that I've done. But in terms of you know when I think about reaching potential. Um, when I didn't quite get there, like that's what that's what you regret is like when when you think about you could have done more in this situation, and we we've talked about this in terms of like degrees of failure. Um, but how do you feel about that? Regret is proportional to how far from your limit you reached. So are you saying the farther away from your limit that you reached, the more regret you have? Yes, hundred percent. So let's let's take my my new upcoming challenge of running a four minute mile. Okay. So let's say a four, like in the fours. So under four. So at like four minutes, exactly. So in, in terms of theoretical limits, I should be able to run this. Hold on. You got to start. I like everything froze. Oh, sorry. So I said in the, in the four minutes. Yes. So four minutes or under. And so, uh, so like Wait, theoretically, what? theoretically, I know I have the speed to actually do that, but I do not have the endurance to do that right now. So I would say the more that I am over four minutes, the more regret I will have about not reaching that goal. <laughs> I, I hold on. Let me think about this. Do you think at some point the, the goal though, there would be so much regret that you just quit? Like, does the goal have to be somewhat attainable? Isn't that a concept? Do you think I, this is attainable? Yes, Isn't I do. that a world record? Like, wait. No, I'm just... no, 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 no. So the first four-minute mile was run by, uh, I think it was Roger Bannister. Right. In England, like, in, 1960, in the 1960s. And, and you think you could beat him, like, on that Well, day? I mean, I think they're down to, like, 349 or 347 or something <laughs> like that. Something crazy now. But, yeah, I, th I think I can run a four-minute mile. I'd be interested to know if I could run a quarter mile at the pace that I would need to be able to run for a four minute mile well i don't we did, think i could when we did the olympics um this was in 2008 right 2008 in in turkey yeah 
uh, I think he ran his either a 59 or a 61. I think it was a 61. And that was really no train. So I, th- I think you could, you hypothetically, you theoretically have the speed to do it. This is incredible. So you, what's your, this is a, le- this is a legit goal? This is my legit summer fitness goal. What, have you tested yourself right now? I haven't done a pretest yet. I can't no. wait to hear how fast you are right now. <laughs> I th- I think so. My all time so this is this is where the attainable theory starts coming in. Is my my all time fastest that I have actually timed was five minutes twenty, and that was okay. th- that was like on an eight mile run, and I was I was like wow, just doing doing interval training. I can't wait to see this. I so I. I- <laughs> So I think it's going to be over. Like my first test that I go out, I'm guessing it's going to be like 510, maybe like 505. I'm excited to see how fast it is. You're fast as hell then if that's how fast you are. At least I think. I don't know what I could run. We'll see how how many times. I think it'll probably be... It'll be easier to track how many times I throw up than how many <laughs> than how far I am away from the goal. Okay, so read this concept again. Yeah, so regret is proportional to how far from your limit you reached. So you're saying from a negative like incentive perspective, like because you're so far away, you have more incentive to work towards it because you have more regret? Correct. Oh. Or or I would say that's that's like the pre that's like the motivator i would say after the fact it's it's just as proportional so like you could you could finish that up and if i end up running like a 420 you know like i'll still have some some regret afterwards but what if pro- you set the goal as a 420 and then you're like bam i hit it <laughs> well then this <laughs> this element does not apply then <laughs> then but actually it still does because you you did actually technically reach your limit that you said yes well then wouldn't the question be what if you had set it at four minutes or set it at 420 like which which one would be faster like in the end like you may set it at four minutes and then at some point you do your first run and you're at 530 and you're like oh i'm not even close (laughs) and then at that point are you gonna is it gonna be hard to continue to motivate yourself to work towards this four minute goal when at that point you've realized it's unattainable I, I I don't agree that it, that's going to be unattainable no. after a terrible first time. Okay, but I I do I do acknowledge your point, and I think there I think goal setting you need to have um, some realism to it. Like I can't be like I would like to go to the moon by two thousand and eighteen. Like that's not really what I'm talking about. I'm I'm talking about within like a specific uh, arena or type of goal. Like I'm saying like setting something that is very difficult but i i guess i would say somewhat attainable like yeah. like it has to be within the realm of possibilities at least the interesting thing about this is i feel like once you set a goal like that if you're serious about it then you're going to have to be real serious about training for it and it's not just going to be something you're doing on the side no definitely not and i think i'm going to have to take it a lot serious more serious than my marathon training right which quick update did not run the full marathon did I tell you that? Yeah. Yeah, I did. So disappointment uh, was proportional to how far from my <laughs> limit I reached. <laughs> okay, so number four, uh, by virtue of our limitations, we're always going to achieve slightly less than our ideal. So this is related to number five. Um, 
but I, I think it's a little bit more specific in in just how um, how we are as human beings. So let's say I continuing on this four minute challenge, like I probably won't be able to train every single day. So like I'm gonna achieve probably a little bit less than than I'm hoping for, right? And I, and I think that that principle applies to a lot of things, both in in our careers and just in general goal setting. So in general, you could always be doing a little bit more, right? Exactly to this goal, but also that would ha- you would have no balance in your life, right? Exactly. Yeah. So I'm not saying like this isn't this isn't to say you should try to take away all these limitations. This is just to acknowledge that you're you're only going to be be able to achieve what that circumstance allows so like as much time as you have as much money as you have um you know like for for some things like i like if i blow a muscle out or have some sort of injury while i'm training like you need to acknowledge that you're always going to have some limitation while you you walk down this path towards something okay uh number three uh, dealing with degrees of failure actually help you understand yourself. So whether or not you achieve a goal, um, or if you kind of fall flat on your face and and you don't achieve it by going out after and pushing towards your limit, you're at least going to, to understand something more about yourself. I think there is something you said about learning how to deal with failure, but I also think that there's something to be said about I th- see I now I know you're you've set this to me the four minute goal is like shooting for the moon or whatever <clears throat> and I think that you there's a happy medium there because there's something to be said for like achieving a like a challenging but achievable goal and that giving you some confidence and then you being able to go out to, towards that next goal so I think if you set it too far out there then it's kind of demotivating if you always are failing to meet it. Like I, don't I would, know. I to build. Like I, I'm guessing, like if I'm mentoring someone or I'm build trying to build them up, I feel like completely pounding them and having them fail, 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 <laughs> fail. Like at some point, I don't know that that's beneficial to them. I don't know. Personally, I disagree. I think the more you get used to failure. <laughs> the better off you're going to be at life. Like you're going to come at different goals with more humility. Like you're going to talk to people with more humility. You're going to understand yourself a lot better. And you're going to, especially when you see different people around, you know, the world and your area, like you're, you're going to understand what they're feeling a lot better too. than if you just, you know, build up these little tiny goals to make yourself feel better about who you are. I can definitely see both. Like, I think if I think if you're trying to build up your own, your own self confidence, like if that's a that's an issue that you're dealing with, I I think the the you know incremental goals are great. And I think in some things, so like in coding, like you wouldn't want to start off the first thing that you coded was the hardest thing. So I think like if you're just getting started, sometimes I, I think it's okay to have incremental goals to start building your confidence. Yeah, in them. but the but you're saying the long term goal needs to be a big one, right? Okay. Yeah. Because it, over that time, even if even if the end game is failure, like y- you've strived and you've grown in some way specifically. Okay, I can buy that as a as your long as a big as having a big one for an, a long term goal. All right, I like this one a lot. 
other people like to hear about things that you're passionate about. So whether whether you're introverted or extroverted, it behooves you to have something interesting to talk talk to them about. So like if you have a, a crazy goal, it's always a good conversation piece and it's yeah. always something fun to talk about. So like whether or not you achieve it, sometimes the failures are the most fun to talk about. Right. Like I, when we, when we this talk about that, like. yeah, yeah. So I think this is like one of my new concepts that I'm bringing to the table is that, you know, I want to keep setting ridiculous goals because it's just fun to talk about. And it's, it's fun to be passionate and, and go out and try something really hard, even if you, you don't necessarily believe 100% that you're going to get there. I like how setting things like this just because people think you're a little bit crazy. And mm-hmm. I think that there's a benefit to people thinking that you are like a little bit insane. Like they're not, they're not sure what you're going to do, which I, and they're, they're not exactly sure what you're going to come up with next. And I like, I, I like that. I think, yeah, the world smiles on wild cards, I think is, is how I would say that. Like people, people like the wild card who you're just like, I don't know what that guy's going to do. Right. If you're too predictable, like, I don't know. That brings me to my last one, which dream, dreaming bigger excites the mind and causes actual physical change. And so like being excited and being uh, really into a goal is going to help you to actually have more dopamine and feel feel better about yourself in general so i I think there's value in having because if it's just like a general like if i was like oh i want to run a uh a mile in 20 minutes like i'm not gonna be excited about that right um like that's not gonna that's not gonna help me get up at 5 30 in the morning to go train i'm just gonna be like oh okay i'll go out and walk my 20 minute mile tomorrow right and see what happens but like if it's a big goal that i'm like yes i'm getting up tomorrow at 5 20 i'm doing interval training i'm gonna run hills on thursday i'm gonna get into the weight room on leg day every every week like there's a, a physical reaction that that you actually go through and i mean it's similar to exercise too yeah so do you buy that yeah i buy that yeah and, and i think i think having a passion you know whether that's your work or whether that's outside goals or you know you know anything i, I think having a passion is so important because you are activating that that aspect of you yeah i think there's there's some there there's a theory out there that like everyone is shooting for these 60 percent goals Mm-hmm. Or, or even like 75% goals and like really if you look out there in the world the people going like let's see like everyone's trying to raise $15,000 for X mm-hmm. but <laughs> no one's like there's only like 10 people are out there trying to raise like a million dollars for X and so it's counterintuitive but your competition is less when you set huge goals like that there's less people out there with that ambitious of a goal I like that. So that was my my top five list. I do um, have I have one. Oh, okay. My experience on your goal number two of people enjoying to hear about your your big goals mm-hmm. as it relates to programming and coding is no one wants to hear about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad I can. I hope I've been a, a sounding board. Yeah, and, I, and an interesting part. Of- <laughs> some people like to hear about it, but in general. I think people are not interested in getting into the details. 
Well, I mean, uh, you're talking about something that that's legitimately a foreign language. You yeah, know? you're like right. It, you're it's right. A, it's an intimidation. There's an intimidation factor. I mean, it's like if you were like, yeah, I'm learning Urdu. Uh, you want to hear how I conjugate <laughs> conjugate yeah, verbs? Exactly. Yeah, you're exactly right. <laughs> and I'd be like, uh, well, that sounds interesting. I don't even I don't even know the phonemes from Urdu, but I'll, I'll be I'll, I'll listen to you for a little yeah. bit. So yeah, I think that's the problem. And I think people in general are. are you know, a lot of people are like, well, I'm not a computer guy. I'm not, I'm not a computer gal. Um, I'm not a computer person. And I, I think that aspect, they just, I mean, it seems so complicated even, even though like once you, once you get into it, it's not, I mean, when you break it down line by line, each line is not complicated. Right. But when you put together 60,000 lines or a million lines, it, it starts to get, get a little bit more complicated. Yeah. So. Well, that was good. I liked how we went in completely different directions. Dude, we're <laughs> right about our 30-minute mark. I know. I know. So one other, one other crazy thing I want to throw at you was my, I had a thought of rebranding. Okay. And uh, the, the rename would be the, the Perbola Podcast. So instead of Hyperbola, it would just be the Perbola. Okay. <laughs> I don't know what you think about that, but I feel like that's, that would be a pretty good description of who we are. <laughs> is that a is that a hard I'm gonna have pass? to roll this one over, but I think my initial reaction is not positive. <laughs> after I after I looked at it, I was like, "Purbola is an ugly word." It is. It sounds ugly. It looks ugly. I'm sure. Yeah, it looks really ugly. It looks like some sort of like Roman it's kind slang. Of a, it's kind of a tongue twister. It's like a We're Roman the purple podcast. <laughs> the purple. That's true. I had I didn't do it. Uh, name your podcast and say it five times fast yeah the purple pod purple purple pod purple pod oh i actually don't mind the purple it's kind of kind of fun <laughs> so if you want to comment if uh, noise canceling pot should forever be known as the purple pod or if you think it sounds like a roman euphemism <laughs> let, let us know in the in the comments here hit us up at noise canceling pod at gmail.com uh next week we are possibly doing another micropod uh, in two weeks. Who are we having on? It's Eddie. We're gonna work. We're gonna work on getting Eddie from uh, San Antonio. He owns uh, the Box Street Social food truck and just started that up uh, within the, about the last year. And he ended up winning the uh, in San Antonio the number one food truck in San Antonio uh, recently. So it's cool to hear how he started from like just started up and then how passionate he is about uh the the food he's got an awesome menu and just hearing how he learned as he started started up and how people are just so excited for the different things that he he has in his food truck it's awesome that's sweet yes i saw his uh his menu a little bit earlier and sounds awesome i think uh I think at some point I will try to get him to nerd up on the uh, the regulations behind the food truck industry because I personally find those interesting, but some people may find that a bit like coding language, so we'll see. <laughs> well, cool. Well, uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. This has been uh, episode 17 or Micropod 2. I'm Frank Boyce. And this is Axel Clark. Set a stretch goal, four-minute mile, some, shoot for the moon, get excited. Have a great week, everyone. If I took the time so I
Turn 